Thank you, Brother Danny. If you would open up to um, First Chronicles chapter number 15. I'd like to start by reading this text, but we're going to be looking at um, really a story, and it's going to involve us looking at a number of books um, in, in this section of the scriptures. And so just keep your fingers ready, but keep this place as well. I want to start by reading this chapter. It says, And David made him houses in the city of David, and prepared a place for the ark of God, and pitched for it a tent. Then David said, None ought to carry the ark of God but the Levites, for them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. And David gathered all Israel together to Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord unto his place, which he had prepared for it. And David assembled the children of Aaron and the Levites, the sons of Kohath, Uriel the chief and his brethren, and a hundred of hundred and twenty, and the sons of Merari, uh, Asiah the, the chief and his brethren, two hundred and twenty, the sons of Gershom, Joel and the chief and his brethren, a hundred and thirty, the sons of Elisaphan, Shemaiah the chief and his brethren, two hundred, the sons of Hebron, Eliel the chief and his brethren, fourscore. And you skip down here, goes through these, these uh, names of these people that are going to be involved with this. And he says in verse number 12, And he said unto them, Ye are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, both ye and your brethren, that ye may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. For because ye did, did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us, for that we sought him not after the new order. So the priest and the Levites sanctified themselves and brought up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. And the children of the Levites bear the ark of God upon their shoulders with the staves thereon, as Moses commanded according to, according to the word of the Lord. And David spake to the chief of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be the singers with instruments of music, psalteries and harps and cymbals, sounding uh, by lifting up the voice with joy. And I think I'm going to just stop there. We'll look at some other verses in this text here in just a minute, but I'm going to stop there for now. Um, in, this, in this story, what we're witnessing, what we're reading about is the wonderful story of the account of how David brought the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God, back to Jerusalem. And uh, it had been gone for years now, and David had such a desire to see it returned and to see it set in its proper place once again. Now, there's a great spiritual truth here that we might not notice if we were just casually reading through these Bible stories, and I think we're prone to that sometimes. But if we want to see the spiritual truth that God is trying to show us, uh, we've got to first go back to that biblical account of how the ark of God was removed and absent from this place for many years. If you turn back in your Bibles... To 1 Samuel chapter number 4. In this text we have the story of Eli's wicked sons. And we find out here that Eli's wicked, ungodly, foolish sons removed the Ark of the Covenant um, and carried it forth to the battlefield. Uh, ultimately they treated it as though it were a good luck charm. And sure enough... They brutally lost the battle, and these two wicked sons of Eli, who also were priests, they were slain. The ark of God was carried off by the enemy army, the Philistines, 
and the people of God suffered a brutal loss in that, in that battle. Now, it is important for us to understand that in the Old Testament, this Ark of the Covenant was often symbolic of the presence and glory of God being seen in the midst of God's people. You say, preacher, what do you mean by that? Well, look at verse 4, even of 1 Samuel. Look what it says here. Okay, it says, So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring forth from thence the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts, listen, which dwelleth between the cherubims, and the two sons of Eli, Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. Okay, so it describes um, this Ark as the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims. Okay, you read over further in these verses in uh, 2 Samuel 6, 2, it describes it that way as well. In 2 Kings 19.15, it also describes it that way. Then in Psalms 80 verse 1 and in Psalms 99 verse 1, talks about the Ark of the Covenant as the Lord dwelling or abiding um, between the cherubims. Okay, so what he's literally describing for us here is that the Lord and his holy presence is literally dwelling or abiding on that mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant that has these two cherubims on either side with their wings outstretched over the Ark of the Covenant. And uh, they, that was to be kept in that place called the Holy of Holies. Not even the priest, high priest, was only to go in there but once a year to put the blood on the mercy seat on the Day of Atonement. Okay? And uh, if, if you read in 1 Samuel now, uh, chapter 14, uh, chapter 4, Verse 17 through 22, we see what happens when the news returned that the ark was stolen. Look what it says here. And the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has been a, also a great slaughter among the people. And thy two sons, also Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God is taken. And it came to pass when he made mention of the ark of God that he fell from off the seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck brake, and he died, for he was an old man and heavy. And he had judged Israel forty years. And his daughter-in-law, Phineas, his wife, was with child near to be delivered. And she heard the tidings that the ark of God was taken, and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead. And she bowed herself and travailed, for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the woman that stood by her said unto her, Fear not, for thou hast borne a son. But she answered not, neither did she regard it. And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel, because the ark of God was taken, and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory is departed from Israel, for the ark of God is taken. Think about that for a second. So it's literally talking here about the presence of God dwelling between the cherubims, abiding between the cherubims. And now we read this and we find that the ark of God was literally stolen. They should have never taken it out of the Holy of Holies to begin with, right? Amen. But it was taken out in this battle as a good luck charm, right? And these two wicked men, they died. And Eli, Eli the man of God, 
who should have never let his sons practice their wickedness, who should have never let his sons be in the priesthood to begin with, who should have never let the ark of God leave the holy of holies to begin with, he fell over dead in his place. And as they carried that forth to the battle, they lost, and they lost miserably. You see, at the news of this, the Bible tells us that he fell backward. He died, and then Phineas' wife, who was great with child, she was near to birthing, the Bible tells us. When she hears this news, she travails in labor, and she bears a son, and she calls his name what? Ichabod. Ichabod. You find the explanation in verses 21 through 42 of Chapter 4, the name literally means the glory has departed. The glory has departed. And she called her son this name because she equated, in verse 22, you find that she equated the ark of God being taken from amidst God's people to the glory of God being removed from the midst of the people of God. Amen. Truly what a sad day it is when the name Ichabod is professed over any of God's people. And yet, listen, folks, I think that we could easily look at our country, we can look at the state of our Christianity in our country, and the state of our churches in our country, and we can say the glory has departed. Ichabod has been written over the American church. You see, the truth is that the vast majority of professing Christians today have become just like Eli's sons. They're living a ungodly, unholy way. I don't know that, I believe that many of them probably just lost to begin with like Eli's sons, religious and lost. And yet they have treated the presence of God and the glory of God like it's some sort of good luck charm as they face the battles of life. And listen, folks, it's, it's not something they seek after. It's not something they treat with reverence or, or holiness, but it is something that they, they just carelessly and shamelessly handle. Truly, I am assured that the glory has departed. And I believe it already has done so here in America quite some time ago. But I pray... I pray unto a God that's full of mercy. Yes, amen. And I seek unto him who hears and answer prayer. Yeah. And I ask and I knock. And I lay hold on God. That he would have mercy on us in this generation. And that the Lord may help us. Amen. Yeah. Oh, may God do such a work in this generation of American Christians that we would truly see the tide turn in a mighty way and the glory of God return to the midst of God's people. In our text, it all started with a man after God's own heart called David, who said the glory has been gone long enough it's time for the glory to return, amen. And so may we let us bring again the ark of God, that we may have the glory and the presence and the power of God in the midst of his people once again. Amen. So 
So as we look at this text, with this thought in mind, I want you to think on this spiritual truth tonight. And I want you to see here how God orchestrated for the glory to return to Israel. First of all, I notice here, the glory returned when they purified themselves. Look at chapter, 1 Chronicles chapter 15 and verse number 14. So the priest and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. Notice that word sanctified or purified. That's what it's getting at. They purified themselves before seeking to do this. And listen, Christians, don't, don't you dare think that we're going to enjoy seeing the power and the glory of God return to the midst of his people when his people are unwilling to thoroughly get right with God. Truly, we must ask, as that man in the Hebridean revival quoted Psalms 24 and said, Are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? For there is no power in glory for assimilated, dirty people. You're going to have to first get cleaned up before you can see the Spirit of God revive you up. You know what, folks? Eli's sons lost their lives. They also lost the victory. Because think about this. They presumed that with their impure hearts and unholy hands, that God would still grant them victory. And they miserably lost, and they were slain in the battle. The pagan Philistines, they thought, aha, we've got it, right? <laughs> as if the... As if the worldly, ungodly sinners out there really want the presence of God in their midst, right? And so they laid a hold on that thing. And they thought, we've got this Ark of the Covenant. We're going to put it in right next to our God, our idol. Every day they found that, that, that thing falling over before the Ark of God. Because no God stand before our God. <laughs> the next day they, felt, they found the hands and the head of it cut off as well. Because there's nothing that can stand before our God. And before they knew it, I'll tell you what, they were smoked with plague and miserableness. They were just completely miserable and awful because the presence of God was there in the midst of those people. I'll tell you what, that's what we need to pray for this lost, godless world, right? May God do such a thing in our country that we'd see the power and presence of God in the midst of his people, that he might be glorified, but also in the midst of the lost, that they might be completely tormented and miserable until they turn to God as the God of gods and the Lord of lords. You see, folks, the glory departed. In Israel, the glory departed when unholy men carried it out. Eli and Phineas, their sons. The, the son of uh, Phineas and uh, I can't remember what the other one's name is, but Eli's two sons, they, these two wicked men, they carried it out. And you know what? It will only return when pure holy men see fit to carry it back. Well, may God help us to be that generation of men, Amen. that generation of Christians. Notice first, they purified themselves. Don't pass over that so quickly. Think on it a little while. Oh God, are my, are my hands clean? 
Is, is my heart pure? Is there anything amiss, Lord, in my life that might somehow hinder the power and presence of God from coming and working in the midst of his people once again? God, is there anything that must be dealt with? Oh, God, would you search me and try me and know my heart and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me? Because, God, I don't want anything in my life that might hinder you from working like you want in the midst of your people. They, first of all, they purified themselves. I notice that secondly, they proceeded God's way. In verse 15, it says, And the children of the Levites bear the ark of God upon their shoulders with the staves thereon, as Moses commanded according to the word of the Lord. Notice that there was a certain way that God wanted this to be done. It was to be carried back on the shoulders of a set-apart, holy, sanctified people, which were called the Levites. Levites oftentimes very much represent us as born-again believers. Now, even David, he made a mistake at first. You read in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it tells us that they tried bringing it back on an ox cart first. And Uzzah stuck forth his hand as it shook and he died. Um, because as first, uh, verse 13 says... They sought him not after the due order. Chapter 15, verse 13, that's what it says. They sought him not after the due order, not the way that God said. Now, I want you to consider that for a minute. You look back over the years of what's happened in some of our churches. How many have assumed that they can bring back the power and the glory of God to the midst of God's people? In their own means, right? Through, through programs and promotions and parties and you name it, right? And sure, I'll tell you what, you can sometimes gain a crowd this way, but hell is crowded too. And the rock concerts are crowded too, and so are the bars, friend. And God has no part in those things. So if the power and the glory of God will be seen in the midst of his people. It will only happen God's way. And that is when holy men bear it on the back of their shoulders of prayer back in the midst of God's people. Those men, the only way they could do it is to bear it back on their shoulders, those two staves, and carry it in. God's saying, I'm looking for a couple good men, a couple good ladies. They're saying, hey, listen, I'll be part of that, amen. I'll do it God's way. I'll bear it on my shoulders and bring it back to the house of God. And bring it back to God's people, amen. I'm not going to get messed up out and just try and draw a crowd with programs and promotions and, and parties. Hey, I'm going to get on my knees before God and look for God to do something, amen. You see, when they tried another way, it didn't work so well, did it? But when they proceeded God's way, it worked wonderfully. And the glory of God and the power of God was returned to the midst of God's people. I notice they purified themselves, first of all. Then they proceeded God's way. Then I see thirdly, and I've got six things tonight. You can keep note of it if you'd like. I notice that they pursued it in verse number 25 of chapter 15. 
It says, So David and the elders of Israel and the captains over thousands went to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the house of Obedim with joy. They went to bring up the ark, and I like that last phrase, with joy. Listen, folks, they, they just came to the place where they said, listen, the power and glory of God, it's, it's just been absent from the midst of his people. It's been absent long enough. We just can't wait any longer. We must seek after it. Amen. We've just got to have it. Amen. amen. Truly, it seems that as I think on this, it seems that many of God's people have grown content with the power and the glory being absent from the midst of his people. But the spirit of revival says, I can't continue like this anymore. I just can't continue like this. I must go after it, amen. I've just got to seek after it because I must see the power and the glory of God in the midst at work, in the midst of his people. Yet again, I've got to see it. What about you? Do you want it tonight, Christian? Do you even care? Are you thirsting? Are you hungering after righteousness? Hungering and thirsting to see God do something that this generation desperately needs to be seen? Or are you content with the dead form of religion that has permeated our country and our society and our churches that we have become so prone to be being accustomed to? The two widows of the Hebrides saw their country in such a state, did they not? And they said, we, we can't take it any longer. We can't watch what's going on in this country like like what's happening here. We can't take it any longer. We've just got to lay hold of God. We've just got to get a hold of God. We've got to pursue after this thing with all that we've got and just lay a hold of it and seek for God to allow that His glory and His power may be brought back to the midst of His people. And from for weeks on end, from 10 at night to 3 in the morning, they prayed day after day after day. Until guess what? There was a day that came when God granted that which they prayed for. Boy, they wanted it. What about you? Are you content? You know, can, if they were content here, would they have ever gone to get the ark? Yes. They wouldn't. It was because they weren't content that they said, I'm going to pursue after it. I'm going to seek to lay a hold of it. I've just got to, I've got to have that because I've got to see the power and glory of God. Brought back again to the midst of God's people. I've got to see. I hope that's your desire tonight. Boy, I'll tell you, we need it. We need God to move in a great way in the midst of his people. We need an awakening in this country like we've never seen before. We need this to happen. May God have mercy on us. May we purpose in our hearts to be like David was here in this text. And, and to see God move in such a way. I noticed number four here tonight that not only did they pursue it, but they possessed it. Notice down in verse 26, it says that after, and it came to pass when God helped the Levites that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, that they offered seven bullocks and seven rams. So notice not that they, they did not just pursue it, uh, they wanted to possess it. And now it says, and it came to pass when what? 
when God helped. <laughs> so it was when it was with God's enabling, they laid down those sacrifices and they laid a hold of that ark and they bear it on their shoulders. You see, listen, they weren't, they weren't content to just pursue it. They wanted to lay a hold of it. They wanted to possess it for themselves. And listen now, it was only with God's help. It was only with God's help Amen. that they were enabled to do that. Listen, folks, the Bible says vain is the help of man. And I'll tell you truly, if we will ever possess revival, if we'll ever see the glory and power of God in the midst of his people, uh, like, like we're looking to see, I'll tell you what, God's going to have to help us because we can't conjure it up. We can't make it happen. We're going to need God to help us to see it be brought again. Just as it says in Zechariah 4, 6, it's only not by power nor by might, but by his spirit, saith the Lord. It's only by his spirit that this can happen. And so may God help us to sincerely to pursue after it and to seek to possess it with the help of God that we might see the glory and the power of God bring, uh, brought, brought again in the midst of God's people. So I notice here so far four things tonight. They purified themselves. They proceeded God's way. They pursued it. They possessed it. Next, I notice that they praised him in the process. Look at verse number 27 of chapter 15, and we'll read down into six, chapter 16 a little ways. It says, And David was clothed with a robe of fine linen, and all the Levites that bear the ark and the singers, and, the, uh, and Shebaniah, the master of the song with the singers, David also had upon him an ephod of linen. Thus all Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the cornet and with his trumpets and with the cymbals making a noise with psalteries and harps. And it came to pass as the ark of the covenant of the Lord came to the, the city of David that Michael, the daughter of Saul, looking out the window, saw King David dancing and playing and she despised him in her, in her heart. So they brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tent and they, that David had pitched for it. And they offered burnt sacrifices and peace offerings before God. And when David had made an end of the offering, the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. And he dealt to every one of Israel, both man and woman, to every one a loaf of bread and a good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine. And he appointed certain of the Levites to minister before the ark, of the Lord, and to record and to thank and to praise the Lord God of Israel. Asaph the chief, the next to him, Zechariah, Jael, and Shemiramoth. And Jael, okay, we're going to skip over all these names. <laughs> and then uh, down to verse number seven, it says, Then on that day David delivered first this psalm to thank the Lord unto the hand of Asaph and his brethren. Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name, make known the deeds among the people, sing unto him, sing psalms unto him, talk ye of all his wondrous works, glory ye in his holy name, let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face continually, remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O ye seed of Israel, his servant, ye children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Be ye mindful always of his covenant, the word which he 
commanded to a thousand generations, even of the covenant which he made with Abraham and of his oath unto Isaac, and hath confirmed the same to Jacob for a law and to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying, Unto thee will I give the land of Canaan and the lot of your inheritance, when you were but few, even a few, and strangers in it, and when they went from nation to nation and from one kingdom to another people, he suffered no man to do them wrong, yea, he reproved kings for their sakes, touching, saying, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Show forth from day to day his salvation. Declare his glory among the heathen, his marvelous works among all nations. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He also is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Glory and honor are in his presence. Strength and gladness are in his place. Give unto the Lord, ye kindreds of all the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. The world also shall be stable, that it be not moved. Let the heavens be glad. And let the earth rejoice. And let men say among the nations, The Lord reigneth. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. Let the fields rejoice and all that is therein. Then shall the trees of the woods sing out at the presence of the Lord. Because he cometh to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. For he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. And I'm going to stop there, but he goes on a little bit further in that. Boy, I'll tell you what, that's good, is it not? Yes. Listen, folks, I'll tell you what, if this will be done with, if this will be done right, it's going to be done with a sacrifice of praise on our lips. Amen. Yes. The Bible says, I will enter his courts with praise. Amen. And thankfulness on my lips, amen. And in Psalms 22, 3, it says that he literally inhabits the praises of Israel. He inhabits the praises of his people, amen. Really, there is no doubt in my mind that as the people of God lay a hold of the power of God and the glory of God, and they seek to bear on their shoulders in prayer back to the midst of God's people, amen, there's going to be much singing, amen. There's going to be much shouting. There's going to be much praising, amen, as they joyfully start to see and to sense the glory and the power of God at work in the midst of God's people. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I don't think there's going to be any other way for it. When God's in the midst of his people, when his power and his glory is there, people are going to praise his holy name. And so we see here that they praised him in the process. I noticed last thing tonight, and we'll finish up with this, that they persisted in this service. Look with me, if you would, now at verse 37 to 40 of chapter 16. So he left there before the ark of the covenant of the Lord Asaph, of the Lord Asaph and his brethren to minister before the ark continually as every day's work required. And Obadem with their brethren, threescore and eight. Obadem also, the son of Jedithan and Hosa to the be porters, and Zadok the priest and his brethren, 
the priest before the tabernacle of the Lord in the high place that was at Gibeon to offer burnt offerings unto the Lord upon the altar of the burnt offering continually morning and evening and to do according to all that was written in the law of the Lord which he commanded Israel. Now, I want you to notice here that now that they had possessed, they had possessed it. And they, they, they possessed it with praise and shouting, and they brought it back to the house of God. I noticed that there was now a continual ministering day and night before that ark. You see, now that the glory had returned, they were determined to never let go of it. Amen. They were determined night and day to minister about it, that they might continue to see God work mightily in their midst among his people. Amen. Oh, may God help us to see the day when the glory returns. Amen. May God remove the name Ichabod from America. May he remove the name Ichabod from American Christians and from American churches because we have been granted that which we have diligently sought after to see his power and his glory. Amen. May we cry like David did in Psalm 63, 1 and 2. Oh God, my soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a day, in a, in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see thy power and thy glory. To see thy power and thy glory. And I'll tell you, friend, when he hears our cries and when he answers our prayers, may we never be satisfied with anything else ever, ever again. Yes, May we persist in ministering about, about the, the, the glory and the presence of God. May we just continue about that, laying hold on it, saying, I'm just not going to let this thing go until Jesus comes. <laughs> and then we see his blessed face in glory. Amen. I'll tell you what, we live in a day where... We need this more than ever. Amen. Just like those Philistines, the, <laughs> that world outside those doors tonight, they need to see the glory of God in their midst as well. They may need to be made so miserable by the presence of God that they just can't help but want to go to God's house and be amongst God's people. But I'll tell you what, the church has become so dead and Ichabod has been written over the church doors where the glory has departed. And listen, we need to lay a hold of it again and say, praise God. Hey, listen, I'm going to purify myself and I'm going to just do it God's way and I'm going to lay a hold of that that ark, and I'm going to seek to bring again the glory of God in the midst of God's people. I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to seek to possess it. Oh, Christians, may God help us. We need this. Yes, amen. You see, you read that Psalm of David just one more time. Just read the revival in his heart as that ark of the covenant was carried back in and the power and glory of God was seen in the midst of God's people once again. Boy, he couldn't help but just let it spout out. He just had to testify, Oh, praise be to God! God is so good! God is so wonderful! Praise be to God for all the wonderful things that he's done and is doing is in, and can, is continuing to do in the midst of his people. Amen. Oh, may God help 
us. Folks, I'll tell you what, we need this. May God allow the glory to return. Boy, I'm tired of having Ichabod written over the door. May God allow for the glory to return. Let us close in a word of prayer. Brother Darrell, you close us.